Dear friends and dad, Mikey Howe, Jason Cohen, and Mark Valaro. Anyways, enough of the blabber. Let's get into today's topic of discussion. First, the NHL Stanley playoffs, Stanley Cup playoffs have started and been very surprising. In the first round, we have a few eye-popping series. My personal favorite series to watch is the Battle of the Beaches, a.k.a. the Lightning Panthers matchup. Ms. D, you're not going to like my take on this series, but I think the Panthers are going to get demolished in this series. The healthy Tampa Bay Lightning are dangerous. One standout player for the Lightning, who I think has been their X-factor with three points in two games, is Braden Point. Those three points consist of two goals and one assist, an absolutely lethal stat sheet in two games. But the series isn't all a Lightning show. The Panthers have made some very questionable decisions, especially when it comes to goaltending and lineups. In game hey, one, Spencer Knight was a good start. He, he did have a good start last game. But in Game 1, the Panthers decided to start Sergei Bobrovsky, which was very odd. The 6'2", 180-pound, 32-year-old goaltender has struggled in the regular season versus his competitors. In 31 games, he has a record of 19 wins, 8 losses, and 2 overtime losses. Not only that, but he has a 2.91 GAA and a 9.06 save percentage. Now, don't get me wrong, those are decent stats. But the Panthers have so many better options. For example, Chris Dreiger, the 6'4", 205-pound, 27-year-old, has a record of 14 wins and 6 losses. To complement this, he put up a respectable 2.07 GAA and a .927 save percentage during the regular season. Those are very respectable stats, much better than that of Bobrovsky's. Spencer Knight also had a good start last game, which definitely is a good sight for the Panthers. Anyways, the only reason Sergei Bobrovsky, I feel like, is being started by the Panthers is because he has lots of playoff experience and is also in the nice side of 30, I'd like to say. Uh, Specifically, he has great playoff experience with the Lightning, as in 2019, he led his Columbus Blue Jackets to sweep the red-hot Lightning in only four games, which was one of several reasons I feel like he was given the highest-paid contract in the league. I just don't feel like he's the same goal anymore. Uh, So as for this series, I think the Lightning will close out this uh, tonight with their current 3-1 series lead, or 3-2 as of right now. I wrote the script a while ago. Uh, but personally, I think it's because no matter how good the Panthers are, their playoff history is almost just cursed, and they will never be able to match up to the healthy Stanley Cup defending Tampa Bay Lightning. The next series on my radar is just another personal favorite, and that is the Canadiens-Leafs matchup. I think this series is very interesting because not only do the Leafs have a chance to break their curse, but both teams have very different play styles and are strong where the other lacks. For example, the Leafs have an offense. Their Leafs offense is one of the best in the league, even without Jonathan Tavares. Speaking of, he's out of the hospital, which is great news for the Leafs after a severe injury in game one. And this was no ordinary injury. It was bad. He was stretched off the ice, which is a sight nobody likes to see. So I hope he is okay. But anyways... As for my boys, the Montreal Canadiens, they have superb goaltending with the Price-Allen tandem and a lot of depth, a depth, which is an area that the Panther, that the Leafs tend to lack in. As for this series, I think if they play like they did in Game 1 and keep the penalties low, which is something they have really struggled with and the power play needs to be better, the Canadiens can steal the series in a Game 6 or 7, but I feel like it's unlikely. Uh, which, that, might be, that may be my bias, but I'm genuinely convinced the Leafs are kind of cursed. I mean... They haven't made it past round one in over 10 years, and they are arguably have had the best teams in NHL history. So, 
even if the Canadians don't win the series, I won't be very upset at their future because their future is incredibly bright with new additions like Cole Caulfield, Jesperi Kotkaniemi, Josh Anderson, and many more. And as for the other series in the playoffs, their outcomes have been kind of suspected. Uh, as the Capitals losing to the Bruins in five games, Islanders and Penguins are close at two games apiece. The Avs swept the underwhelming St. Louis Blues and a few more. Oh, and I forgot to mention the amazing upset that happened in Winnipeg as the Jets swept the Oilers four games to none. This is an upset like no other. Like, seriously, you have Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. Those are two of the best players in the league point-wise in, like, in every aspect, and they like can't beat the average-at-best Winnipeg Jets. It's absolutely insane. So, uh, do you guys have any input to put into this? I just feel like it's absolutely crazy that... These playoffs so far, <clears throat> especially with the series going on right now, and that's how. No, I'm not a biggest hockey fan. I don't watch the most hockey in the world, but I definitely think that Connor McDavid should have been able to do a little more than get sweeped in the playoffs. That was a little surprising to see the Jets go four zero. Yeah, especially since uh, in game uh, three, the Oilers were up five one and still lost. Yeah, and, and they even kept a close game in game four, but it's still the Jets. I guess the Jets are a team that nobody saw coming. Uh, yeah, Connor Hallowbuck has been really good in the playoffs. Dad, do you have any uh, input? Uh, yeah, okay. I'll kind of go down the, the line quickly. Uh, I'll start with the, the Lightning and Panthers, uh, you know, playoff series. I think that the, the Lightning had it in the bag. Um, when it was 6-2, there was a little bit of a scuffle or, or you call it physicality towards the end of you know, game five when they were already up substantially, um, you know, with the Kucherov slash that could have been questionably dirty and some other things, but it did change the tone of the game. Um, they switched the goaltender Spencer Knight after his first, you know, shot he saw and gave up his goal, shut down 36 shots on net. He's a young, confident kid. Could be a game changer in that series, depending on how the, he plays tonight. Um, unfortunately, confidence doesn't always bode well for youngsters they still have to learn through the hard way so you might see um you know a, a down game for him but as of right now has a pro spencer knights five and oh um you know with a very very high uh, goal save percentage so i'm excited to see how that pans out tonight might need to get a little more physical on the boards seems like they weren't as pressed last game and it burnt them um going into the uh, the leafs and the canadians always a great rivalry for canada um, only one team can come out of there. It's still good to see the Canada is going to have at least have a team stay in the playoffs for the second round. Um, you know, and that one, I don't really have a, a dog in that race, but nobody really likes the Leafs um, or the Canadians, but I'll go carry price in my son's favorite. So I'll, I'll stick with them, but it looks like, you know, I wouldn't say a curse, but yet uh, maybe the Leafs are under a lot of substantial pressure, like all, all major cities for sports um, to where they kind of buckle. Um <clears throat> Going over to the West, Winnipeg and the Oilers, all I can say with the McDavid experiment is he doesn't have a supporting cast. Um, you know, guys get burnt out in long shifts, and it comes down to goaltending. Um, they have a subpar goaltender in that there, and it just, you know, it showed, uh, you know, a lot of goals, you know, given up from the point, which should never happen, um, you know, just kind of put put that game at rest. Um, the Caps getting burnt out by the, the Bruins, kind of a surprise for me. Thought the Caps would give a little better of a of a fight, but uh, the Bruins rejuvenated, got some youngsters in there, and uh, they look pretty fresh and, and you know good to make a run. Um, you know that's that's my take on on the NHL so far. Uh, yeah, definitely, I agree with you. Mike Smith has been very underwhelming. He's not very good anymore. I feel like he's past his prime at this point. But anyways, uh, let's enter our second segment, and this is a big question going around the NFL. 
is Aaron Rodgers leaving Green Bay? As a longtime Packers fan, I don't think he's going to leave Green Bay. Uh, but I think this because he's been arguing with higher-ups since his career started there. And he's been threatening to leave the team multiple times. But in 16 years with the Packers, he hasn't left once. So I, I personally don't think he's going to leave, especially after having an MVP, MVP season like that. Uh, so do you guys have any uh, takes on this? Um, I don't think he's going to leave Green Bay because I think that he's always started drama. And I think that this is just another episode of drama that we'll see throughout his career. Um, I, I just can't see him anywhere else at this time. Yeah, uh, one place people are suspecting him going to is really... The only other place they would suspect him to go to is the Denver Broncos, which apparently they really want him through the offseason. They've been trying to put together a trade. Not able to connect, though. <clears throat> I just don't think the Packers front office will give up on Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> like well, you know, I think it could go one of two ways here. I think one way it could go is Aaron Rodgers <laughs> protests and protests and stops showing up and do- doesn't do anything, just stays away from the team. And they, the Packers eventually give up and trading him away for as much as they can get him for. Because he isn't really a franchise quarterback, even though he's coming off an MVP season. He's a little old, so he's in his waning years of his career. He's almost done. And um, I think the other way that they could go is – like Jason said, this is just one of his dramatic schemes. He's, he'll come back and he'll play and he'll be good again, just like normal. But um, I, I think he's it's a this one's a little more serious than his past drama. I think Definitely. there is a decent chance that he does go somewhere else. I mean, it's hard to see in today's NFL Aaron Rodgers playing for not the Green Bay Packers. But, you know, I definitely think it could be a possibility in the coming future. Yeah, what do you guys think about the uh, Blake Bortles signing? I think that was a pretty interesting move to make. I don't know if it was a good one at all. But, uh, Jason, what do you have to say about that? Well, I just think that it's it's a panic signing and what they're just doing. They're preparing for just in case Aaron Rodgers is actually serious in leaving the Green Bay Packers. But I don't think he is. I just think he's just holding a grudge on the Green Bay Packers and the staff. And I think he'll eventually come home and play for them again. Uh, definitely, I would I would like to agree with you on that. Uh, the Jordan Love situation has also been fairly interesting, so I'm excited to see how that pans out. I mean, uh, this the his career in general with relationship to higher ups has definitely been interesting. Uh, he's always wanted more say in higher up decisions. He's never gotten it though. Uh, some would like to say the Packers front office has been snubbing him when it comes to contract terms and deals like that. But I mean, I just don't think I don't see him leaving at this point. I really don't. You know, the problem is the Packers, they never really listened to what he needed. When he asked for things in the draft, they never never really were quick to give him anything. I mean, this year they did get him another receiver, so that is good. But I think the Blake Bortles signing was, um, like Jay said, a panic. But I think it also, um, in the the case that Aaron Rodgers does leave Green Bay, they kind of need someone to shape their young quarterback, someone with experience. I know Blake Bortles isn't a great quarterback, but I think he has enough experience to try and help Jordan Love make it somewhere in the NFL, especially for the Packers. So I think that he may be someone that could help shape this young quarterback in the case that Aaron Rodgers does leave Green yeah, Bay. Definitely somewhat agreeable. Dad, do you have any input? Of course I do. Um, 
on this scenario, I'm going to go back to the supporting cast comment first because I kind of disagree. Um, the Packers front office, I think, did an excellent job not only being, building an interior line to protect Aaron Rodgers over the last three or four years now, um, but also has drafted to the likes of Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, um, Tanyan, um, even gotten uh, over the last 10 years. You got arguably right now between Devontae Adams and, uh, and Aaron Jones alone and Tanyan. Um, well, Aaron Jones, top three running back in the league, and he got half the carries to Jamal Williams. He split time. You got arguably, in my eyes, and I think a lot of people can make this argument too, um, the best wide receiver in the league in Devontae Adams, if yeah. not the top three. That's that's a valid argument. Um, and then you have Tanya, who was a top three tight end. And then you have arguably one of the best offensive lines protecting a guy's you know longevity his future, which they could have kept together. Now, on top of that, he had five chances to get himself to the Super Bowl and win one and he succeeded once, um, falling short in NFC championships. Now, I'm not going to put all the blame on Aaron, um, but Aaron did come in with a rebuild after their first Super Bowl. You know, when we had Clay Matthews and stuff, that defense really helped the Packers win the Super Bowl that year. Now, fast forward to now, Aaron Rodgers crying about not having other weapons, so on and so forth. Um, I kind of get it. But again, at the end of the day, you contracted with that organization. Um, you have to live up and play through your contract. I don't believe that one player should dictate an organization's decision whatsoever. That's why people have certain roles. And at the end of the day, the Green Bay Packers will be um, still existent in 100 years from now, possibly if football's still around. Uh, but Aaron Rodgers might be gone in three or four years regardless. Um, you know, he's finding himself in Hollywood because of his fiance. And a lot of this has to do with the fact that he has this newfound love and she lives in Los Angeles. And he wants to live and, and, and play out the rest of his career closer to home where he's from California and his now fiance. Um, I get that, but he's not going about it in the most uh, professional way, I don't think. Um, and I think he's putting a lot of doing a lot of finger pointing, but behind closed doors, everybody knows the truth. And I think right now behind closed doors, it's a money issue because next year, the problem is, is he's going to be owed substantial amount of money. Um, and he, we're going to be about 21 million over the salary cap. He's in the last year. So at that point, the Packers are probably just going to throw him to the side. He knows that. So he's doing a year prior of a power struggle to either secure longevity in Green Bay, um, you know, because they did go get Jordan Love and he does know that his contract's up next year. We're going to hit a, a, a we're going to own $21 million. We're not going to be able to afford that. We're over the cap. So it's either we're going to get rid of the young talent we just built in with the new coach, or we're going to you know, to keep the older guy, or he's going to have to go anyways. So I think we're just kind of at a breaking point. I actually think from, from an organization's perspective, Green Bay should not honor um, – they should, they should trade him. Um, you know, I think they should trade him and get what they can for him now and continue to rebuild because at the end of the day, the Bucks put together on paper probably the most depth team in football, and they're better than they were when they won the Super Bowl last year right now. So it's going to be really hard to navigate to the NFC in general. Why not just take the next year or two projects, build them up, and get, you know, get what you can on them because they built a lot on their defense. Um, but at the end of the day, what I think is going to happen is I think the, the Packers, because I've, I've seen this before, um, before you boys were really probably were just born, but with uh, Brett Favre and the Green Bay Packers, and I grew up on Brett Favre, it was the same episode in the year 16. Brett said he was going to sit out. They traded him. But I think this year what they're going to do is I think they're going to let Aaron just say he's going to retire. Um, and then that's, you know, void a contract. He can sit out. You might see something similar to if you boys don't know who Carson Palmer is, uh, what he did with the Bengals and then ended up in uh, in Oakland and then Arizona eventually. Um, so I think we're going to see a similar situation with that. If Aaron Rodgers doesn't show up, I don't think he gets traded. I think that uh, they'll have to retire. They just won't. They, they won't. Uh, I don't think they'll budge on this. So uh, 
I know you talked about you dabbled a little bit on how Aaron Rodgers has wanted too much attention from front offices and hasn't really got it. So would you say the same for the uh uh for the uh what's his name? The Texans quarterback. I forgot. I, I, I don't think it's Aaron Rodgers' job under contract to get involved with the front office. Um, I, I think if, if, from my perspective, you're getting paid to play a position and the coach is getting paid to coach, you're not in the GM's getting paid to be the GM. And that's the way it was when I was, when I you know, played the game and, and I grew up watching it like your age and they got no business being in the front office. Teams are built around, you know, these, the problem is, is these guys stock go up like inflation. Um, before they had the rookie salary cap that they did for, for drafts, Sam Bradford got a $50 million signing bonus. If anybody knows who Sam Bradford is, Sam Bradford got $50 million, stepped on the field for half half of a season, got hurt, was garbage the rest of his career, but he got $50 million. Where's the security for the NFL team? You know, so that's where they started really, they put a cap on that. They're really starting to give these players too much power and stuff. A lot of these players make so much money off endorsements. Those contracts don't matter. A guy like Tom Brady, I hate talking about it, but everybody starts to say, oh, why, why is he successful? Well, a guy like that takes his, you know, pay cuts every year to bring on more talent around him. He's learned and mastered a way to, 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 to evolve that position where he has a 1.2 per uh, second release point from the time he receives the ball, which is unheard of. That's his average. No defensive ends getting him in time. They're just putting hands up, trying to touch the ball as being released. He's got these things sketched out before the play even happens. He sees the defense. He reads, he's reinvented the game. That guy might play to his 50. Who knows if he's going to be effective, but all he needs is to be able to release the ball quick and see the play. So, I mean, with that being said, you know, other guys like Dak Prescott, I know who's made made waves about that, saying, "How can I take it? You know, I need to get paid because I don't have Giselle Munchkin as my my wife." That's some truth to that. But you know, Bray's played a longer career. Um, but you get guys like Aaron Rodgers who who wants more money behind the scenes. That that came out this week, saying that he was asking for more money or an extension, uh, re, redo his contract. Um, that's a little selfish if you're talking about team and culture. You know, team and culture is the Tom Brady guy who's saying, "Hey, come back. I know that you need to get paid because we just won a Super Bowl. I'll take less money." That guy's just setting himself up to have fun with his boys because he's got to like that. So, I mean, it's it's a lot of different things behind the scenes, you know, but a lot of it's got to do with money when it comes to the NFL. It's a, it's a money grab. It's not about the fans. So um, it's a business, unfortunately. Yeah. Would you agree that uh, other quarterbacks that are asking for more behind the scenes, like the uh, Sean Watson and Dak Prescott, the reason they're not getting following through with these is because they're not as successful as guys like Tom Brady? No, no, I, I think they are getting it. Um, I think that, uh, you know, that uh, Deshaun Watson did get a big, um, you know, contract. It wasn't that, I think. What the, what the problem was, was um, was he, he didn't like the talent around him. He was nosing around in the front office. So he demanded a trade. But then, you know, a whole scandal came out behind that. Who knows what really happened with that? But now he's in hot water, so he's not going anywhere. But again, like you got people trying to dictate and hold out. Um, I'm going to tell you this, you know, there with every Zeke Elliott, there's another guy somewhere that's just as talented waiting for an opportunity. Um, you know, there's there's going to come a time if these owners hold strong, um, you know, that, that a guy will get a chance like that. I think, that, you know, David Johnson got a chance like that at one point. You know, players come through all the time, but you can't let, you know, players that 
in the NFL, especially your, your longest, uh, you know, your average, your average, you know, lifespan is about five and a half years in the NFL. You're not going to let a guy that's getting paid a hundred million dollars in five years, dictate your entire fr- franchise's next 10 years of future. Cause those draft picks are important. So, you know, it's, it's, it's really like what we, well, let's say we get uh, Jefferson from last year where he went to the Vikings, the Vikings traded up, and beat him to beat us to him. They didn't even need him. I think it was like just a, a really smart play for them. You know, um, what what difference would that have made this year? We had one extra receiver. You think it would have made a difference, Schultz? No, I don't. I don't really feel like it would make a, a huge difference. I mean, we did pick up another wide receiver who is decent, but I feel at, like at the, at the end of the day, it wasn't it wasn't necessarily the 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 wide receiving core that lost that game in the NFC in the NFC Championship. You know, essentially, it was our defense and our secondary. It was one guy, Kevin King who was picked well before Jordan Love or anybody. He was picked when, you know, Rogers still had a say in things. Come from Washington, 6'1", tall guy, but, you know, has zero football IQ. And you you could see he got beat twice, two crucial, one right before the half, the most crucial touchdown that just basically put the – that just took all the air out of our sails. So at the end of the day, it's it's not one guy that can dictate a, a franchise, nor should he. Um, I think it's collectively – and I think that um, you know, locker room guys appreciate a guy that just doesn't get involved, you know, in 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 the front office. Um, you know, I think that your teammates are more important than that camaraderie. I, I fear for the Packers this year alone because it's there's a lot of more to go down until they can go back up. You know, until they they got to hit rock bottom, but it's going to happen. That's true. That is, I, I would definitely agree with that. Anyways, that's all the time we have. Thank you to our listeners for listening to the first ever episode of Puck Off, the sports news podcast with the hottest takes. A big thanks to all of our guests today, my dad, Jason, and Mikey, for coming onto the show. I hope you guys enjoyed it, and I hope everybody has a great day. Bye. Bye.